<clears throat> Turn there in your notes to Psalm 112. And this is very similar to the last psalm that we looked at in that it was written as a poem there in the Hebrew where they took each letter of the Hebrew alphabet and started each phrase with a letter from that alphabet. Uh, it doesn't at all take away from you know, the inspiration of it. It doesn't at all take away from the authority of it. Um, and absolutely, um, it's before us this morning to glean from, to heed, to worship God through and so forth. And this is a psalm that really speaks to the blessings found. And we touched on this a little bit last week and where we would build on it this morning. Blessings found in walking in the fear of the Lord. And this morning we want to talk more about what the fear of the Lord is and what the fear of the Lord uh, isn't and so forth. It also speaks of the blessings found for those who greatly delight in the commandments of God. And not part of the commandments of God or the Word of God, but all of the Word of God. Not just those passages that, you know, bring encouragement and so forth, but those passages as well that bring correction. And those passages that sometimes rub our flesh the wrong way. Ever been there before? And, you know, it's the Lord wanting us to come under His direction and His guidance, which is always so much better than our own ways. So we'll as well talk about what it is to really delight greatly in the Word of God. And unfortunately, even, you know, it's see prophetically in these days we're living in where the Scripture says there'd be folks that name the name of the Lord that don't delight at all in His Word. And, um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then really the psalm unfolds blessings that are found in fearing the Lord and delighting in His commandments. Really, verses 2 through 10 brings those out, and there's a whole host of them. We'll spend a lot of time in the first verse because it really sets this up. And it's really, you know, what, what the rest of it is predicated on, being a people who fear the Lord and great, greatly delight in His commandments. So let's read through the passage together, <clears throat> and then we'll dive into this. I just pray God's great blessing on it. Notice how it starts again, the first three words, just like the last one. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in His commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his, affair, his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in, in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. So again, it starts just like the last psalm, praise the Lord. And as we saw last week, that praise the Lord or hallelujah, first and foremost, it's a declaration from the psalmist. He's saying, praise the Lord. I give glory to God. I give honor to the King. So it's a declaration from the psalmist. It's also written here as a command to us. Again, we'll see in this first verse, you know, blessed are those who delight greatly in His commandments. You know, from the Word of God, we get instruction. We're shown how we should live. These things are written for our learning. And we absolutely have a command to praise the Lord. We saw last week in looking at several verses that that is our chief purpose, to be a people who bring glory to God. Also, going back to last week's psalm, we see that this as well is as well a determination of the psalmist. And we want to be a people with a determination to praise the Lord. No matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what the circumstances are that will say, I'm going to praise Him on the hilltop and I'm also going to praise Him in the valley. I'm going to praise Him when, again, the, the sun is shining brightly and when the sky is gloomy. 
no matter what the conditions of my life are, I'm going to praise the Lord because he's worthy of that for who he is and all that he's done and all that he is doing. Remember what the psalmist said there in Psalm 111.1, praise the Lord. And then you see the declaration and the determination, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart when everything's going good. No, he doesn't say that. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart when things are falling apart. God, I need you. No, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. He's saying at every turn, in everything that unfolds, I will be a man who praises God. And then he said, in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. And again, we talked about that call to praise him together. And we saw again those wonderful things we see unfold in Scripture when the people of the Lord gather together and praise the name of the Lord, how he inhabits the praises of his people, how there's an admonishment that happens one to another. Again, I get greatly encouraged when we gather together and worship God and lift our voice to the Lord, especially in a world where there's less and less praise given to God. We want to appreciate these things and again, understand we're, we're uh, with, with like-minded folks here this morning that love the Lord and God is good to us and so forth. And we even saw there in Acts 4 how when they gather together and praise the Lord, the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. And they went forth and they spoke the word of God in boldness. And I'll tell you, one of our, our, our you know, big aims in gathering together scripturally on, on a Sunday, a Wednesday, uh, it, it's to encourage and it's to equip, uh, you know, at the congregation, you guys, for the work of the ministry, because the mission field's out there, right? So in part, we come here to get built up in the Word, to get encouraged in the Word, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, but also, listen, to get empowered from upon high by the Holy Spirit of God. And that should be a daily thing in our own walks, But again, you see in Scripture, when the people of the Lord gather together and worship God, there is an endowment that comes from upon high. You see it throughout the book of Acts. So it's all the more, listen, we want to praise Him in our own hearts and have that determination to do so at every turn, and also to have that heart determination that when we gather together, we're going to worship the Lord in one accord in spirit and truth. And again, he's so worthy of our praise. Uh, We could go on and on and on the the rest of the the message. And and we will allude to these things in the rest of the message of just reasons why he is worthy of praise. I love what the psalmist wrote there in uh, Psalm 145, 1 through 3. He says, I will exalt you, uh, O God, my King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Notice, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. So his greatness, again, it goes beyond our comprehension, beyond our even ability to understand. But what we do understand is cause and reason to praise him every moment of our life. Notice Revelation 4.11, you are worthy, O Lord. This is praise given to God in heaven to receive glory and honor and power. Notice, for you have created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. You talk about the greatness of God? He spoke and creation came forward, and it still exists even despite our rebellion because God, God's hand is upon it. Again, He is God, we are not. He is the potter, we are the clay. Let's give him glory and praise and honor. And then think about this in considering his greatness. This is really personal towards us in Christ. And again, it is the church in glory that we see here in Revelation 5, 9, giving praise to God. And notice what they say here. It's reason to give praise to God. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Again, we were in sin, but Jesus was slain for our sin. He rose from the grave and by grace through faith in him. We've been redeemed. We've been purchased out of sin, out of that bondage that we were in by his shed blood. And notice here, out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, there's no partiality with God. 
Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then notice, he has made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. And we've spoken much about that. You know, and in recent days, there in Wednesday nights, and even in the Psalms of the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, again, our God is great. And the fact that despite our rebellion, he came and died for our sins and rose from the grave and we have a great future and hope and he's with us till the end of the age man let's praise the lord amen let's give him glory don't let the lies of the flesh and the devil and the world come in to throw a wet blanket over your call to praise god even all the more when they come and be determined but i will praise the lord i will give glory to my god come what may because he is going before me and he is on the throne praise the lord and then notice what it says here blessed is the man who fears the lord who delight greatly in his commandments you know what blessed is the man we got a blessing alert here everyone loves a blessing from god right even the God hater and the carnal Christian loves blessings from God. Even those, you know, that, that don't want to worship Him, they don't want to praise Him, they don't fear Him, they just complain against Him, they want to blame Him when He says, I got blessings. They're like, Well, I want a blessing, though. And indeed, we are blessed. And He blessed us even in our rebellion, and He blesses us even in our rebellion. Again, in all the rain that we just got, we're reminded that God sends the rain on the just and the unjust, on the wicked and the righteous. But here's the thing, to go deep in those blessings, to, to live a blessed life, there are some requirements on our end. Again, he blesses all. And we have the blessing of provisions. The scripture declares that to the believer and unbeliever and so forth. The great blessing of, again, as we just read, he laid down his life for us when we were sinners and salvation is available to whoever would call on his name. And then to abound in those blessings again. There is a requirement on our end if we really want to abound in the blessings of God in these things that we read here in this psalm, you know, that will unfold. And listen, they are found with obedience to the Lord. Fear of the Lord. And loving the commandments of God Almighty. If you don't fear God, there is going to be an incredible lack of blessing in your life. If you do not delight in the word of God, there's going to be an incredible lack of blessing in your life. If you don't want to honor God, there's going to be a lack of honor from God. We'll come back to this passage in a minute. But 1 Samuel 2.30, I'll look at the context of it in a minute. The Lord says, those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And then Jesus said in John 12, 26, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. And I'll tell you, serving him and honoring him goes hand in hand with fearing him or showing him reverence and delighting in his commandments because we honor him by honoring his word and so again blessed is the man who fears the lord what are some of those blessings again we see them unfolded here in psalm 112 and we'll come to that in a second but there's other passages that talk specifically about the fear of the lord as well and blessings that come from walking the fear of the lord and then in a second we'll develop more what the fear of the lord is but notice proverbs 9 10 the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy one is understanding by me your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added unto you so he says when you walk in the fear of the lord there's going to be a wisdom that comes with that wisdom's going to start to unfold when you don't walk in the fear of the lord you are going to walk in foolishness he says as well, when we walk in the fear of the Lord, our days will be multiplied. They'll be added to. And I think that's not only talking about extending them, but more so living fullness of life in the days that we have. Because all our time is a vapor and a shadow. And then notice Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, there is a strong confidence. I'll tell you, that's a great blessing. It's a great blessing to have a strong confidence no matter what's unfolding in the world and our lives, 
because we fear the Lord. We have a reverence for God. We know we are in God's hands. That's a beautiful thing. And his children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. So again, walking with the fear of God brings a fountain of life. And look at this is so beautiful because when you start talking about the fear of the Lord, there's a lot of people that get repulsed by it. They get turned off by that. A lot of times it's because they don't understand what the fear of the Lord is. Or even when they begin to understand the fear of the Lord is honoring God, wanting to do things God's way, wanting to be yield to all of his word in the rebellion, they resist that. And in doing that, they resist a fountain of life that can only come from the giver of life. And this is where it takes steps of faith on our behalf to say, I'm going to trust in the word of God and his way, even over my rebellious nature that says, I want to do things my own way. And says, life will be found in my way when, again, God who speaks the truth says, come and fear me and fountains of life will be poured out upon your life. And then notice to turn one away from the snare of death. And it goes really with Psalm, or excuse me, Proverbs 16, 6. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And then notice, by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. And departing from evil is an incredible blessing to embrace evil to walk in evil to want to walk in our own way life is not found there but the snares of death are found there and see there's a lot of people even a lot of people that name the name of the lord and again in christ we're positionally right with them but practically they keep getting drawn to evil and sometimes they'll even twist scriptures to justify their dabbling and dipping their toe in evil. But when you fear the Lord, it makes an incredible impact on your view of evil. Because when you fear the Lord, you recognize if I'm going to embrace evil, there's going to be consequences that are going to come from the hand of God. And it's far better to walk in obedience to the Lord where life is found versus being corrected by my God when I embrace evil. So what is the fear of the Lord? I used some illustrations last week to try to help develop this. And so I want to add to those this morning. Look, and when you fear electricity, and we should have a healthy reverence for electricity, you're mindful to turn off the breaker when you're going to change an outlet on the wall. Has anyone had that experience where the sparks come and fly? You turn that off. Look at when you are fearful of electricity, you know if you're in the bathtub, you don't drop something in it that's plugged into the wall. You have a reverence for it. You understand this can be dangerous. I can be corrected or I can be harmed if I do not have a healthy fear and respect of electricity. And those are facts. Well, well I don't feel like that. Well, listen. Again, start messing it without the breaker off and you're going to get a healthy fear and a correction really, really quick. And so again, it is a fear of it knowing, look, at there is correction or danger at hand if I do not have a respect of it. While at the same time, there is a gratitude of it for lights and heaters and all the things that it provides. Last night, a whole lot of people's power went out, right? And look, at it's kind of fun when it's out for a little bit but then it comes back on and everyone's like, oh, the power's back on. And you're, uh, uh, you know, all the stuff turning on, you know, booting up and so forth. And, and so there's a gratitude of it at the same time. And you recognize, again, God's blessed us with this to bless our lives. But if I do not handle it properly, this could take life. Another example would be maybe the ocean. And these, these lists can just go on and on and on. Look at the ocean. You need to be careful if you go out in the ocean. If you get too far out, you might not be able to get back in. You know, rip currents and all that kind of thing. Also, when the ocean gets angry, you know, to get away from the ocean, when a hurricane comes in or a tidal wave or whatever else, that's a healthy fear of the ocean. You go, well, I don't fear that tidal wave coming in. Come and get me, big boy. You know, you don't do that. You have a healthy respect for it while at the same time rejoicing in its beauty and all the provisions that are there in the ocean and 
all the glory and all the good things that come out of that ocean. And listen, when you fear the Lord, you have a heart to stay away from evil, knowing it's against the heart of God, and that evil will harm you. And as a believer, if, it, if, if you embrace it, the Bible says, God will make sure you know you're not an illegitimate child if you want to go and not depart from evil, because he will correct you. And the fear of the Lord says, I do not want to dabble in this because my God will correct me. And the correction will be so much more, again, painful than any of the pleasure that I'm going to get from this sin that I feel prone to go and dabble in. Look at it. It's it's the picture, again, of a loving parent, a a, a healthy relationship between a parent and a child where that child knows I've been told not to do these certain things. And if I do them, I am going to be disciplined. And that discipline does not come out of wanting to harm the child, but to want to teach the child to fear God, number one, and to keep that child from what? From getting harmed worse. You know, they're out playing in the street. You take them in and you, you know what, paddle them or, yeah, I said paddle them or give them a timeout or whatever, Because what's going to happen if they just keep playing in the street? Bad things can happen. And it's the same with the Lord. I don't want to dabble in it. Because again, we just read, look at sin brings death. Sin destroys. Our flesh is drawn to sin. But a healthy fear of God recognizes correction is going to come. God's word is true of what's going to come out of this. And so it is not wanting to walk in those things out of a fear of correction from God, while at the same time wanting to walk with God and rejoice in God because God is good. Just like a parent that, again, loves that child. That child has a reverence to heed instruction, but also absolutely takes the embracing of the parent, knowing my mommy and daddy provide for me. They put a roof over my head and meals before me. And they bless me. They put clothing on my back. That is the fear of the Lord. There's so many examples in Scripture of not fearing God versus fearing God. I think of David himself. You know, one of the chief psalmists in the book of Psalms who wrote so many of them. I just kind of start thinking of his life. You know, early when David was king, They went and they had victory after victory after victory. And we see in one case, they had victory over an army that had horses and chariots, which was a great advantage in that day on the battlefield. But God had instructed the kings, look at if you get those horses, you need to hamstring them and you need to destroy their chariots. Could you imagine that? Defeating an army and taking the arsenal that you could use for your next battle and destroying it? But at that point, David was walking in the fear of God. And you know what? He went and you read a scripture where he hamstrung the horses and he destroyed the chariots. Why? Because he said, we're going to trust in God. And I fear God. And I know if I don't do this, there's going to be ramification because I'm going to be trusting that over God. The fear of the Lord was seen in him. And then later in David's latter years, God had not instructed him to go and count all the people. But in his pride, he wanted to have a census so he could say, look how vast my kingdom is. He moved without a fear of God. He wasn't being reverent of what God had called him to do and how God had called him to operate. Even Joab, who was the head of the army, who was a scoundrel, said, hey, what are you doing here? And David did it anyway. As soon as the numbers came in of the amount of soldiers, it says that David's heart was convicted. Ever been there before? I don't want to walk in the fear of the Lord. I go do my own thing. And then at some point, this conviction comes on. Look, at that's not God condemning you. That's God saying, what are you doing here? And we see what came out of that. There was a three-day plague that came upon Israel. And it was a great chastening. Again, you see it. I'll give you another example. When, when uh, it was a time of the spring when the kings were to go out to battle. We read this there in, in Second Samuel, and David didn't go out. He was supposed to be out on the battlefield. And there was a lack of the fear of the Lord. They said, I'll do things different this spring. I'm going to do it my way. And we know he was up on that rooftop, and he looked down and saw a beautiful woman bathing. Instead of turning and says, no, I want to honor God, he began to look at her and gaze, it says, on her beauty. And then he inquired, and then he was even warned, that's Uriah the Hittite's wife. 
It was one of David's mighty men's wife. And then he brought her up and he laid with her. And again, she was pregnant. And then he ended up even taking her husband's life to try to cover it all up. There was a huge lack of fear of God there. He said, well, I've been blessed by God. I can do this and I'll be fine before the Lord. But boy, you talk about great correction that came out of that in David's life. I mean, you just read it chapter after chapter after chapter, the destruction that came to his home. And in fact, after Absalom came in and drove him out and they came back in, it says David went in and he put away all his concubines. He said, enough of this. Enough of this dabbling in sexual perversity and so forth. I need to fear God. God's way is better. That's the fear of the Lord. Look at the scripture speak of what it is. Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It's not to try to make provisions for evil. Pride and arrogance, the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Proverbs 15, 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor, humility. So it's, I want to learn from God's word. I want to be humble before the Lord. I want to humble my heart to what scripture says. Proverbs, or excuse me, Psalm 34, 11. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's the fear of the Lord. I want to watch what I say. I want to pursue what's good. I want to shun what's evil. I want to pursue peace. These are, again, pictures of fearing the Lord. And again, knowing that God, God's active in my life. He's going to correct me when I need it. He's going to bless when I need it. And I want to do things his way. I want to have a healthy respect of God and his rod and also a great appreciation for God and the many blessings that he loads on us. We see Jesus, when he was on earth, walked in the fear of the Lord. I don't got time to read it, but Isaiah 11 One through five is a prophetic passage about Messiah, about Jesus. And notice what it says there at the end of verse two. It's underlined there in your notes. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, that he would walk with the fear of the Lord. Jesus, you want the perfect picture of walking in the fear of the Lord? Look at the life of Jesus. Do you ever see Jesus going out and dabbling in sin? And you know what? You know what? Oh, I got grace, so I'm just going to go walk it. No, you never see him doing that. He shuns it at every turn, giving praise to the Father at every turn, wanting to do God's will at every turn, but not shunning sinners, going and ministering to them, wanting to interact with them, but always telling them to repent and put faith in God. Look at you see in the book of Acts, the early church walked in the fear of the Lord. And look at the conduct and so forth. It's so, such a far cry from so much of what we see today. But Acts 9.31 says, And the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, Samaria had peace and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Again, what comes from the fear of the Lord? Endowment from upon high. Comfort from the Spirit, power from the Spirit, and a multiplication of fruits of the Spirit, ministries, people getting converted, and so forth. So he says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And then he says, blessed is the man who delights greatly in his commandments. And listen, these things go hand in hand. You can't say you fear God if you do not delight in the commandments of God. And if you delight in the commandments of God, the Word of God, there's going to be uh, an increasing amount of fear of the Lord that's birthed in you. Notice Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom <clears throat> and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment, and oh Lord, we need that, and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search her, search for her as hidden treasure, you shall understand, notice, the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Look at the fear of the Lord. So many people don't understand it. Why? Because they're not delighting in the Word of God. 
He says, if you delight in the word of God, if you receive the word of God, then you're going to understand what the fear of the Lord is. You're going to find the knowledge of who God is. Now listen, delighting in the commandments of God. This isn't just, you know, loving the words of encouragement in scripture and the words of comfort and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And the Bible's full of them, is it not? I mean, God knows we're a frail, fragile people. We need to be told, I love you, just about every page of the Bible, and God does that. You're sinners, but I have sent my son to die for you, and ask, and I'll forgive you, and you have a future and hope. I made you kings and priests. You're going to reign with me forever. I don't deserve any of that. We just see it throughout the word, and we love that. But listen, this is also talking about loving thou shalt and thou shalt not. And there's a whole lot of people, oh, I love all that good stuff, but thou shalt not. Oh, I don't like that. I despise that. Thou shalt forgive. No way. Thou shalt not lust. No way. No, it's delighting in all of the word. We don't pick and choose all of it. And why? Because his word's good. When God says thou shalt not, it is him wanting to bless you. It is him wanting to keep you from harm. It is him saying, I have a better way. So don't waste two years of your life shunning me in this area. And then finally having to come around after two years of correction, hear me now. That you can walk in a multiplication of the spirit and the fruits of the spirit now in your life. 1 John 5, 2. For by this we, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And notice, His commandments aren't burdensome. And when you're delighting in the Lord and the word of the Lord, you understand when He says, Thou shall or thou shall not. It, it's not a burdensome thing. Again, this, this isn't a call to go under a law because you go under a law, guess what? You're going to break them. But in understanding, my God loves me, and these things here are to protect me, to, to, to bless me, so that I can prosper in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, for giving us this instruction. I thank you for these warnings. And I thank you, again, for these exhortations, because you are perfect in all things, and your word is perfectly laid out before us. Now, again, our flesh generally hates submitting to God. It will hate the thou shalt and thou shalt not. But our spirit absolutely should rejoice again, knowing God's way is the right way. It absolutely is. Look, at sin will never prosper your soul. But walking in the spirit and the fear of the Lord always will. Psalm 1, you can read the whole thing later, but we'll just read the first three verses. Blessed is the man who walks not and the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But notice, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. <clears throat> he should be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Does that not sound good? But listen, all of us can grow and have a call to grow in the fear of the Lord and delighting in the word of God. But sadly, listen, you look around the world today and you see so many that despise the word of God and despise the commandments of God. Again, you look and see it in the world and it's pretty much what you expect because, listen, that's all the world knows. They don't know Christ. But it's sad when you look and you see it abounding in Christianum. And the Lord pressed this on my heart to share these things this morning. So I'm going to do this out of obedience. And what I want to do, and I'm going to show you how indeed this is prophetic. That the Bible said it would be such a way in these last days. What I want to do is I'm going to read you 30 uh, article headlines this is just from the last month, the last 30 days. And I had to whittle this down from about 90 to 30. And these, this isn't about the sin that, that, that I'm not trying to focus in on the sin that, that's in these headlines that's being promoted in the church, but the fact that the church 
again, I'm not saying all the church. Look, there, there's, there's many a good pastor still out there and, and solid groups and so forth. So don't get me wrong on that. But there is this despising of God's word that seems to be coming in like a storm where there's even a despising of things God's called us to refrain from, to make no provisions for. It doesn't love others. It doesn't love him. It's not, you know, it, properly representing the Lord to, to the world. It's the church wanting to look like the world. And I wanted to read these this morning because I talk about this stuff at times. And I know at times there's individuals that roll their eyes. Oh, here he goes. Almost like I kind of have some pet topics of talking about these things. And I don't think a lot of people understand the vastness of this. The vastness that's happening in the body of Christ of people despising God's word and wanting to make room and provision for sins, even some of the most abominable ones out there. And again, it's not that God doesn't love the sinners. He does. But they're saved through the preaching of the gospel that you need to repent. Not we're going to make provisions for these lifestyles and so forth. And so these are 30 headlines, maybe 32 out of like a hundred from the last 90 days. And we're going to read through those and I have one more point here. Then we are going to walk quickly through verse 2 through 10. Listen to these though. This is all documented stuff. These are from solid sources. 1,000 Church of England clergy say they would perform same-sex marriages. Christian Union Seminary pays homage to great Zen master by inviting Hindu monks to lead worship. Popular queer pastor who writes for Baptist publications says he plans to be married to a gay Christian. Christianity Today author goes to liberal media to argue in favor of same-sex marriage. The Gospel Coalition uses the Book of Ruth to defend same-sex civil unions. Now, I can see with the Anglican church, yeah, okay, the Gospel Coalition is the most influential group on evangelicals in the United States of America. Make no mistake about that. Evangelical megachurch pastor baptist or baptizes unrepentant lesbian couples, says they are sisters in Jesus. Pastor Raphael Warnock says Isaiah 45 means we need a LGBTQ perspective to understand God's glory. Queer pastor says homophobic pastors must be held accountable for Club Q shooting. And he would call me that for preaching the gospel. Saying God loves the homosexual, he hates the sin. Repent, become a new creation in Christ. No, that's what I was. Now let God come to renew your mind and your desires and so forth. The Gospel Coalition author says a true biblical sexual ethic must include solutions for same-sex attracted persons. That's not scriptural. Look at the Bible, or the the world's got this idea and is coming in the church that same-sex attracted is something you can't do something about. Look, I had a lot of attractions before I came to Christ and I came to Christ, God forgave me of acting on those attractions, and then he has been renewing my mind that my attractions will be to God and the glory of God and the things of God. And you see the church wanting to make a room for this new classification of people, and none of it is scriptural. Because you know what comes after same-sex attracted persons? What the world's pushing? Minor attracted persons. As long as you don't act on it, that's an okay thing, and it's not. Again, in Romans, he says, I give them over to their affections, not God's, not what he would want to bring through an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Pastor hands microphone over to drag queen to sing peace on earth to a church filled with children. Andy Stanley says, pastors need to learn to preach in a way that gives people permission not to believe. I I listened to it. I about fell over. Major evangelical organization associated with the Gospel Coalition and crew, and Matt Chandler speaks ill of LGBTQ, uh, uh, says speaking ill of homosexuality kills people. K 
Campus Crusade for Christ speaker has stadium of white people get up and lament their skin color. Trans pastor explains how his identity politics caused him to abandon solid theologians, theologians in favor of apostates. Christianity Today praises same-sex marriage bill, calls it a good day's work. Look at again, that's not some small publication. You've all heard of that publication. Woman trans, uh, transitions to man becomes first openly transgender ordained to the Catholic priesthood. Southern Baptist church pastor argues unborn children shouldn't have equal protection because God was merciful on Paul for killing Christians. Southern Eastern Seminary highlights paper on marriage from same-sex attracted disciple of Christ. Again, that's not scriptural. <laughs> that's not biblical. Methodist Church elects second openly gay bishop and asks conservative leaders to step down. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit Ouija board lets you communicate directly with Jesus Christ. This is in the last 30 days, guys. This isn't like, well, he went and scoured the internet. This took me literally like 10 minutes to compile. David Platt joins rank heretics for conference that promotes a false gospel. Bethel pastor says God made Adam both male and female and broke Adam in half to create Eve. Bethel pastor says Jesus frequently ripped verses out of context and made them say what they didn't mean. Andy Stanley says that what Jesus said about good people not going to heaven is not necessarily true. Ontario Church hosts Halloween drag queen event for children. Andy Stanley says there's no clear divine standard of good. That's been revealed to all of us. And I'll just give you one more. Episcopal Church to release, to release app to replace church with AI pastors and present queer and feminist theology. These are not exaggerations. And notice what all these revolved around the church. This isn't articles about what the world's doing. This is about bringing these things in the church. And it's the church, it's picture, a big picture of a lot of what we call Christendom, not delighting in the word of God, but wanting to, again, make room for sin, a lack of fear of the Lord. Because I'm going to tell you, the, the, the main sin highlighted in this, you bring that in, you bring that leaven in, good luck getting it out. It's going to take sackcloth and ashes and on your face, truly repenting before the Lord. And I'll tell you what I'm really seeing, and I think the reason why this has so much momentum is because so many people, again, have relatives and children and parents and nephews and nieces and so forth that are embracing perversity. And instead of calling them to repentance, they're embracing their sin versus, again, maybe having to break fellowship in some way. In, in, in some cases, or, you know, really calling them to repentance. And what you see happening is a younger generation converting an older generation to homosexuality. Because please go read Romans 1. He doesn't just talk about those who practice those sins being under a condemnation, but those who approve of it. I don't got time to go through it all, but I have notes there for you out of 1 Samuel 2 down through verse 4 or chapter 4 and the high priest of that day was Eli and Eli had two sons that were grossly perverse there would be women that would go to the tabernacle to worship the Lord and they would take them and they would have sexual relations with them and use their position as clergy to take advantage of them and Eli never corrected them. They said, oh, my sons, this isn't good. But he let them continue to do what they did. Well, listen, a prophet of God came along and he said there in 1 Samuel 2.29, why do you kick up my sacrifice and my offerings, which I have commanded in my dwelling place? And hear this, honor your sons more than me. You're honoring people more than me. And you see it coming in. And I know all of us, again, have 
relatives and loved ones embracing these lifestyles and we have a call to love them and part of loving them is saying i don't go along with this this is sinful but you see people getting converted into it and when you do you are despising the word of god you are not fearing god and you are loving them and their sin above god and you in reality you're not loving them at all by going along with that you're not heaping a conviction that would, you know, your prayer would be to bring them to repentance and to the good things of God. But what you see going on in the church is, again, not only a despising of God's word, but now we're going to make provision. And you see this broadening. And it used to be in these mainline liberal churches, and now you see it in these evangelical, supposedly gospel-centered churches, bringing these things in and making provision. And none of this is scriptural. None of this is biblical at all. And listen, it's prophetic is what it is. 2 Timothy 4.1, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. And then notice verse 3, the time will come when he will not endure sound doctrine. Did any of those headlines sound like sound doctrine? If, if you're like, if you're despising me for reading that and go, oh, you need to really get on your face before the Lord. But according to their own desires, like same-sex attraction, that's a desire. Again, we, we all have sins that easily ensnare us. That, that's common to all men. But are we going to heap up people that want to uplift my desire or point me to the lord and say listen god will forgive you and he wants to help manage that and overcome that and change your desires yeah we have a god that can do that do you understand that this morning (laughs) because they have itching ears they'll heap up teachers for themselves and turn their ears away from truth and be turned aside to fables but you be watchful in all things endure afflictions and listen afflictions are coming if you want to stand for truth do the work of evangelists fulfill your ministry oh lord help us to grow in the fear of the lord help us to grow in delighting in your commandments can we say amen because notice and there's a lot of notes i don't got time to hit on everything here i'm gonna let the psalm speak for itself notice the blessings that come the rest of the psalm and then the last psalm talks about the wicked that don't want to fear god or delight in his commandments These are blessings that come from fearing the Lord and delighting in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. Who here does not want to see their children growing up knowing and walking with the Lord? A lot of that is predicated on you fearing God and delighting in his commandments. Are you going to make provision for all of these things that God says, thou shall not, and the things where he says, thou shalt? The generation of the upright will be blessed. Listen, sin destroys walking in the fear of the Lord and delighting in his commandments. It blesses us, it blesses others, and it even blesses the generation that we're in. And let me tell you, this generation needs some blessing. Let me say that again. (laughs) Verse 3, wealth and riches will be in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Listen, we know in the new covenant, God's going to provide our needs. And the wealth and riches speak, spoken of here first and foremost are those fruits of the Spirit of God, power from upon high. And then even more so, stacking treasure in heaven. Glory. Our life is short here. And throughout the New Testament, it talks about storing up treasure in heaven. Please don't take those verses lightly. And the man that fears God and delights in his word is stacking those to the glory of God. Verse 4, under the upright there arises a light and darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness. So again, as we walk in the fear of the Lord and we walk delighting in God's word, we're not subjected to the darkness that's abounding in this world. We have the light of Christ to guide our steps. We are called a city set upon a hill, being a shining light in a dark place. 
And listen, when you got time, read there Micah 7, 8 through 10. It talks about when we stumble, the light of the Lord props us back up, and that's glorious. And I'll tell you, when you walk with the fear of the Lord and in the word, the grace and compassion and righteousness that God shows towards us will flow through us to a world that needs all of those things. Some would even say what I've said so far, you're not compassionate, you're not gracious. Look, at I understand the struggle of sin. I get it. I know it firsthand. But I'm telling you, making room for it, propping it up versus saying, there's a God who loves you, that wants to forgive you and do a change and a work in your life. That's what's righteous and upright and good. And to hide that in favor of making room like Eli did for wickedness again it's a destructive leaven to everyone involved a good man deals graciously and lends he will guide his affairs with discretion so again out of that fear of the lord out of delighting in his word there's not a stinginess that comes greediness a swindling but as god has given to us and we understand his generosity that extends out to others and the Lord says, when we do that, again, we can't outgive God, and God repays those that walk in such a way. Again, there's a discretion that you have when you fear God, a discernment, an ability to judge correctly when situations come up in life. You do less foolish things. There's more wisdom found there. Because again, you're, you're fearing God, and you're, you're putting the Lord before you in decision-making along with His Word, renewing your mind and your behaviors and so forth so it's more reflective of him verse six surely he will never be shaken the righteous will be an everlasting remembrance again it's the house built on the rock jesus is blessed is the man who hears and does what do does my commandments his house is on the rock it's established and it's again a righteousness with an everlasting remembrance versus being forgotten. Listen, the monuments of men will be forgotten. The doctrines of demons and philosophies of men, they'll go by the wayside. Listen to Proverbs 23, 17. Do not let, do not let your heart envy sinners. Be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. Is that not good news? He will not be afraid of evil tidings. And again, there's a lot of evil tidings in the world today. And the enemy tries to use those things to pressure the church and Christians from not standing for truth. Not delighting in God's word. He tries to use them so that we would be ashamed of the gospel. But when you walk in the fear of the Lord and you stand in the word, that fear is taken by the wayside. There's a steadfastness there. I'm trusting in God and God's going to go before me. When you're fearing the Lord, you don't need to fear evil men and evil tidings and their doings. You don't need to fear a governor when he says you can't worship and you can't come together and sing. You go, no, I'm, I'm, God's called us to that. You don't fear when someone says, Steve, you can't talk about that stuff. It's hate speech. No, this is love speech. This is truth. The Lord said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm so sick of hearing that. I keep hearing that. I had someone tell me this week, well, we don't talk about that stuff at our church because our pastor said we might get in trouble by the government if we talk about this stuff. I said, bro, there are pastors around the world in prison and losing their life right now. He goes, well, I guess you got a point there. And plus, name me one pastor that's lost their 501c3 or has been arrested in our country to this point for even doing that. You're making stuff up just because you do not want to preach on these matters because you know a few people are going to get offended and walk out. In fact, if you haven't been teaching the word, maybe half your congregation, but now you can reboot and get things going in the right direction. Not necessarily a bad thing when certain folks get up and walk out. In fact, I've said to more than one person over the years, there's the door. Almost done here. 
His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Again, that establishment. When you fear the Lord, you don't need to fear men. If you don't fear the Lord, there's a lot you better fear. But when you fear the Lord, we do not need to fear what's going to come. I'm in God's hands. Again, until he sees his desire upon his enemies. I hope and pray our desire, first of all, would see our enemies be saved. Amen. He has dispersed abroad, given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. Guys, these things come from fearing the Lord. From delighting in his commandments, all of them. So you have something to give the poor. A righteousness that endures, notice here, forever. It's not short-lived. And his horn or his strength will be exalted with honor. It's an honorable thing to honor the Lord. And then finally, verse 10. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. And again, the context of this is those that reject Christ. Those that despise the word of God. They hate it when righteousness prevails. It grieves them. A great example is in the book of Esther when Mordecai is exalted and Haman has to walk him around, you know, on the king's horse saying, you know, this will be done for a man who who honors the king as as Mordecai who moved in a fear of God had, you know, had had insight into some things that were going to happen and declared him. And then at God's perfect time, he brought them out. And it says afterwards, uh, Haman hurried to his house mourning with his head covered. He grieved that a righteous man was, was honored. He'll gnash his teeth and melt away. And listen, there's examples. Stephen, when he preached the gospel in Acts 7, it says they gnashed their teeth at him. But my mind goes more for what what Jesus talked about, the gnashing of the teeth in hell. Empty-handed. Again, the desire of the wicked perishes forever. And some might say at this point, well, that's not fair. We should be able to do whatever we want, whenever we want to do it. What kind of God is this? He is a righteous God and a just God. And his ways are right and upright and holy. And you can choose to embrace him and be part of that. Or you can choose to say, nope, I don't fear you. I'll do whatever I want to do. But there's going to be consequences involved in that. And what God has for you is so much better. Let's stand up and we'll close in prayer here. Heavenly Father, we bless your name today, God. We give you glory and honor. We just thank you for your word. Indeed, God, it is good. I pray, God, that our hearts would be stirred to delight in your commandments, in your word, in all of it. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. To be a people found growing in the fear of the Lord. I hope and pray, God, that we've We've gained understanding of what that is today. Lord, I hope and pray, God, that our hearts have been stirred today to be a people of prayer and truth and so forth. We are in a a time where there's a truth war that's going on. We want to love our neighbor. We, We even want to love God, those peddling apostasy. But we know part of that love is standing for truth. The Bible speaks of shining light on darkness and exposing it. And that that would be done not out of of a pride, but out of a hope of protecting others that could be susceptible to it and hoping there'd be repentance through truth. We desperately need your help, Lord. We're in a world surrounded with these things. Everyone here knows, knows of these matters. It's hitting home with everybody. It's all around us. There's these great pressures. Help us, Lord. Help us to trust in you. Grow our faith, God. Grow our hope in you. Again, I'll pray again. Grow our fear of the Lord. Can we say amen to that today? And listen, if you're here and you don't know Christ, today is the day of salvation. We've, 
We've spoken of sin. But listen, there's good news. There's a Savior. His name's Jesus Christ. We talked about it earlier. He shed his blood to make a way of redemption or forgiveness. When you call upon the Lord and ask him to be your Savior, and you do it in truth, it's I'm done with with being my own Lord. Lord, save me and forgive me. Be my God. That's what repentance is. Listen, you get right with God. Positionally, then practically, you're like, but all these desires and this baggage is here. God begins to work on that in your life. Begins to renew your mind. He does it to the day we go to be with him. And he's good to us like that. If you don't know him, call upon the Lord today. I urge you to do so. And maybe you've been here today and, and, and you know what? You've recognized you, you have a lack of fear of the Lord. I encourage you. Begin to pray for that. Look, if that's a prayer the Lord will heed. Oh, Lord, teach me to fear you. God will hear that prayer. And I believe when we ask for it humbly, it comes a whole lot more easily than when he has to teach us it the hard way. And oh, Lord, be gentle with us. Let us finish well, Lord, lifting our voices to you. Let's praise the Lord as we close.
Amen. Well, God bless you. I pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord and encourage you to encourage others before you head out today. Again, God bless.